couldn't, I couldn't leave the house, I couldn't go to school. Um, and all I was doing was praying and saying to God, if you can restore my vision, if you can restore my vision, what, what would I do? Um, yeah. I, I can't see and I, I love, you know, but even if you can, even if it's in one eye, just kind of breaking down to anything that, anything that he could do. Um, and yeah. The, in those weeks that I, I really just, I couldn't even, couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't open my eyes, the light hurt. Um, we were going from doctor to doctor. And finally, um, we were referred to one of the, the best um, specialists in the city. And I went down with my mom and I'll never forget the train ride where when I went down, it was winter and I was yeah. on glasses and a scarf around my face because the light hurt. And she was just holding my hand and directing me because I couldn't open my eyes, just utter. I couldn't. I couldn't bathe. I couldn't do anything. And um, and she took me there and we waited. And he did many tests and he told me that this was um, adenoviral conjunctivitis, which is the swelling of the adenoids here. And it's yeah. Everyone is a stranger until you know their story. The Power of Good Intentions is a show about people, their stories, challenges they faced, and how they overcame them. This show is here to remind you that there is always a path forward and that good things happen to people who have a good heart. I am Aliu Sidibe, and I am your host. Hey, it's Aliu. And I just want to take a moment to say how much I appreciate you for listening to the show. If you find the podcast inspiring, interesting, motivating, or heartwarming, if there is one person, maybe a friend or family member who you think will appreciate the show, please take a moment and share it with them because sharing is caring and good stories are meant to be shared. Pericles was a prominent Greek statesman who is known for his great building projects. He wanted to establish Athens as the leader of the Greek world and wanted to build an acropolis that represented the city's glory. But I find it interesting that he is also the one who said, what you leave behind is not what is engraved in stones monuments, but what is woven into the lives of others. This quote is very much descriptive of today's guest, Vicky Savides. Despite suffering from a very rare eye infection, which temporarily stripped her vision when she was in high school, suffering from different types of bullying and other life challenges, she always made it a goal to get involved in her community and impact the lives of those around her. She graduated valedictorian of her college at Baru College and is today completing her master's before later on going to law school to pursue one of her dreams, becoming an attorney who has a say in the disability rights community and impacting people's lives for the better. In today's episode, we discuss some of the challenges she's faced while growing up, the principles that help guide her in life, and the importance of caring about others. First of all, thank you for being here with me today, Vicky. It is my pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> so if you don't mind, can you please tell us about the environment you grew up in? What was your relationship with your parents? What was your childhood like? And 
what were some of the early beliefs that you had? Okay, yeah. So um, I grew up in a pretty residential suburban area. Um, it's called Pelham. So off of Pelham Bay, it's the tip of Westchester and the North Bronx. So it's still New York City in the northmost tip. So pretty residential. I grew up in a very great community with my my family. I have my parents. My father is immigrated from Greece here. My mother is Greek American. And so uh, I grew up in a very Greek uh, household uh, at home, just uh, speaking the language. And that the, the culture really dictated the way that we were brought up, very, very centered on the values that um, the, the culture has brought and tied towards that, that home base. Um, I have a good relationship with my parents. My father's a, a CPA, so he indirectly <laughs> influenced my accounting path. My mother's a speaker, so she was steering from that <laughs> business background. And I have a, an older brother by a year who's been um, my my twin, pretty much my rock. And and that 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 was um, that was pretty much the environment that that I grew up in. Okay. And one thing I would like to know is, so you were growing up in that Greek household and all that. What were some of the challenges that you faced on early on in your life? Did you have any that kind of shaped you into the person you became today? Right. Um, growing up, I think many of the challenges that I had were in, in middle school, I had... I guess a, a tough time many times um, adapting with others and and forming friendships. Um, I had, I, I think this is pretty typical maybe of, of middle, middle schoolers, but I was uh, very badly bullied from fifth grade until eighth grade. And I think that, um, Many of that was attested to just that people are changing in, in the classroom um, and trying to, trying to fit in with others, but trying to maintain yourself was a big yeah. um, challenge that I faced. And it was reflected in my household, too, because my parents were very much, I wouldn't say overly strict. They were um, strict. My father would, would, you know, he was a man who came here and um, he worked himself up a lot. He, he worked yeah. in um, delis, you know, as he was going to school and staying late and, and juggling CPA and um, anything to, you know, make the money as, as that story goes. Yeah. So he, he was very much concentrated on you know, remaining humble in the household, never, you know, not being show-offy and um, just always remember being true to who you are. And I think that that wasn't well received by many of my uh, schoolmates because I never had the brands that other um, kids did. I didn't have the, I, I didn't have the will to speak to my parents in the way that other students did. Um, for me, academia was important because my parents worked hard to where to, 
to earn their living to come from they were my grandfather was a hot dog vendor um and so was wow. my mother so my mom you know she she came here her parents didn't know english and she received her masters from columbia they they wow. taught us how to how to live and how yeah. to be respectful of others and to treat the principal to the janitor the same way and that those principles weren't as easily I, I felt reciprocated by um other classmates so it was really a struggle to kind of make friends when you knew what was right you knew what wasn't right and when the others treated incorrectly and to step in then automatically you were lame you were you know that was a pretty confusing and and frustrating time and um i i considered transferring schools many times during middle school i did a, a ton of spend days because i was called every name in the book um i was by myself a lot i would eat lunch by myself um and in the midst of all that, I remember from previous conversation, so you also had uh, health issues related to your eye, right? Right. Was that kind of adding to the pressure as well? And right. also right. like help shape into some of your passion that you have yeah. now that we dive into. Can you kind of expand on that? Yeah, of course. So um, in high school, um, in my sophomore year, I had a very bad eye infection that I got in the car um, with the window down, I felt something flying to my eye, but I thought it was just uh, something outside. Um, and over the days, my eye started turning pinkish. So we thought it was pink eye. I went to the doctor, um, I was treated for pink eye. It turned red into a tomato. It wasn't wow. pink eye. Um, and my eye started closing my right eye. I didn't, you know, my, my family didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it was. So I kept um, going uh, to doctors to see it and they couldn't really assess it. And this was kind of bouncing off. I was in high school, my second year. So I was trying as well, you know, to. I went to high stress high school and there was a lot of pressure all the time from, you know, proving myself, always feeling as though I had to prove myself. Um, and so from middle school, from, from going through that every year from fifth grade until eighth grade, um, that was, I, I was just kind of by myself. I remember it was, I blocked it out of my mind because of how, how badly I felt and how I lost all of the friends that who I thought were my friends. Um, and so I, I stayed in the same school though, and I ended up valedictorian of that of that school so that was kind of my like wow you know and... what I did it I myself, <laughs> and that was important um just to stay you know to stay in in my own rhythm and to show my family that you know there there are there's adversity and everything and this this was one of those points for me but I proved it and I made a great high a few great high schools and I went to Townsend Harris and Queens um, and that was that was a fresh start for me. It was a high pressure environment once again, but it, it was a fresh start. And so things were were going up. My freshman year was was pretty good. Um, it was it was difficult transition, but it, it was better for me than than middle school because I was becoming more of myself. No one knew yeah. 
um, from middle school, everyone knew me since I was three years old, but in high school, no one knew me. Yeah. Um, it was also the first time that I was with students who were from backgrounds that I had never met before. I went to predominantly mm. Greek um, middle school, but this was the first time that I had friends from everywhere. And each yeah. of my friends was from everywhere. And I loved that. I loved not being, you know, the, the only Greek girl with the, you know, the name that could roll off the tongue. You know, this time you had to work a little <laughs> to pronounce it and I had to work a little to pronounce someone else's. So that was great. That was great for me. Yeah. So things were building up and then um, sophomore year. So one eye closed by this time and spread to the other eye. And it was funny because growing up, I've, I've always been fascinated by eyes. I think they're just, I love you know, I had 20-20 vision and I love the colors that they had <laughs> and everything. But yeah. this was a time in my life where I wasn't seeing out of my own. And they fully shut um, after a few days and I couldn't open them. They were pretty much glued. And when I So you couldn't them, open your eyes, literally? You no, couldn't open them? No. Wow. They were closed um, from this infection. I couldn't open them. Mm. They were red. They were. It felt as though there was a cement on them, and when I tried uh. to open them, it was darkness. It was just black. So that was scary. <laughs> that was scary. Uh, we were. I was devastated by this. I was. Um, my parents were. My brother was. I couldn't. I couldn't leave the house. I couldn't go to school. Um, and all I was doing was praying and saying to God, if you can restore my vision, if you can restore my vision, what, what would I do? Um, yeah. I, I can't see and I, I love, you know, so, but even if you can, even if it's in one eye, just kind of breaking down to anything that anything that he could do um, in, yeah. those, in those weeks that I, I really just, I couldn't even, couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't open my eyes. The light hurt. Um, we were going from doctor to doctor and finally um, we were referred to one of the, the best um, specialists in the city and I went down with my mom and I'll never forget the train ride where when I went down it was winter and I was yeah. on glasses and a scarf around my face because the light hurt and she was just holding my hand and directing me because I couldn't open my eyes just utter I couldn't I couldn't bathe I couldn't do anything and um and she took me there and we waited and he did many tests and he told me that this was um adenoviral conjunctivitis which is the swelling of the adenoids here and it swelled yeah. my whole face up to shut it and i had to switch to steroid medication uh drops i had to take oral medication and it would take days to restore but um i wouldn't get the vision that i had before back because it scored scarred my eyes but it yeah. would be better than before mm -hmm. so that happened and luckily over time i was able to open them but my vision was out of out of place and i had tinted glasses that i'd wear um i had a magnifying glass that i would bring to school because i couldn't see on the same line in a ruler um, I missed so much material that I was catching up on, but those were the menial things. The, the best thing that um, could happen, though, was that I had my eyesight back. Yeah. And I forever just um, 
thankful, thankful for that. I have um, icons in my room to represent, um, you know, the saints who who are for the eyes to protect the eye because I'm just that was the scariest experience that uh, I've gone through to date. But it really and taught me, yeah. One thing I love is that, as you mentioned, so you were going through adversity and you didn't really let that keep you down. And same in middle school where, you know, you were being bullied, but you didn't let that stop you. Then you go to high school, things are kind of starting to pick up again. And then this thing happened, eye infection. And then it seems like after even this infection and you were starting to feel okay, you then use that as a driving force to start doing more for the disabled community. And can you kind of explain how did you start working? And I know you've done some work with like No Kid Hungry or like Let's Get Ready. Okay. Uh, can you kind of expand more on that? Yeah, so I've always had a weakness for disabilities um, ever since I was young and I could remember. If there was one uh, student in my middle school who was autistic and I just wanted to talk to him all the time and I wanted to know why he couldn't talk to me. Um, and so when my parents explained, you know, the different phases of autism, um, I was just, it, it, it became kind of a fixation on it. And what, what I could do to help um, from a young age, like if I could, you know, from the little things in class to spending time and just and protecting someone, that, that was kind of what I felt my job was from five years old. It was just to protect someone in, in case, you know, that someone, or bullied or something that that someone could just step in um so throughout growing up i've always been involved whether it be for um uh, just autism speaks um if there are walks or anything that i can you know share i have i have been um and if i meet someone who who has a disability or who knows of someone with disability, i just want to know more and, and what what can be done and what what we can do um, and so the culmination of this was when I had my eye infection because, you know, before it was always wanting to help, but it was, it was um, wanting to help everywhere, you know, spreading myself with many things and just interest. But when yeah. it affects you directly and you see what it means to not see, it's horrifying. and it's motivating at the same time you want to see who else is going through this now i only had to go through this for two weeks but there are people who go through this their entire life and although i'm scarred for my you know entire life i have a ton of things going on with my eyes and every day is just i can't i see halos forever i will forever see halos on people i think they're angels walking around so that's, that's pretty <laughs> interesting but there are people who can't open their eyes and so I remember in the year of my eye infection, I was 16 and I had a sweet 16. And all of the money that was from my sweet 16 went to the Lighthouse Foundation, which was dedicated to um, uh, blindness, to people who, who were blind. Um, from there, I was compelled to continue this interest. And luckily in college, um, I found out about a course courses that were uh, centered on disability and you know between volunteering for um 
numerous, numerous um, organizations that are centered on them. Um, I wanted to take a class and just educate myself first. And then ultimately I wrote my thesis um, on, on disabilities, which was focused on the intersection between uh, incarceration and deafness. When interests correspond with experiences, which correspond with, you know, reality and what you can do, that's, that's beautiful. That's what it's all about. And so I was very fortunate, a scary experience, but what I gained from it is just pretty much steering the rest of my life. And, and that's what I'm One thing I would like to ask you is, you have a very strong mindset and it's unique because it's one where you, you see challenges as, uh, you don't see them as obstacle, but you see them as something that you have to overcome to kind of get to the next level. So if someone is listening and what I want them to take away is like really understand your mindset. So if you had to pick five words, you know, five core values that really define you and that, that you hold on to on a daily basis and that helps you become the person you are, what, what would those five values be? I would say faith, um, faith, integrity, um, kindness, a value of, of um, just goodness, kindness, wholesomeness. That, that would be one. Um, strength, power tied together. Um, and to be principled, an ethical person um, in life, I think the one thing that a challenge can test is your principles, your, your ethics, your integrity. Those, those challenges test that um, all the time. And if you see yourself slipping away from who you are, you see, you know, you stand back and you say, would would Vicky do this? Would, would X do this? Would Y do this? The fact that you had to step back and question that means that you might not be on the track that you're supposed to be. So a challenge, if it's stripping you, if it's changing you, if you're letting it get the best of you, then you're losing yourself. And I, I have such a, you know, a, um, it, it hurts me, I like a pain for it when I'll see, you know, someone lose themselves because of a child or lose themselves because of others or lose themselves because, because it always rings to me. I, I like to see a person for who I believe they are many times. And to see a change because of that, it, it changes me. It changes how I feel. And I think that with anyone, um, a piece of advice that I struggle to take myself, but it's always keep your head up and to not change who you are because if you change who you are then you become someone else and that's you can't own that you have to own yourself i love that i love that I, and i completely agree you know it's like if you stay in the mix and you know you're just like following this today and tomorrow you become that and the day after tomorrow you're right. like someone else you start having like a disconnect in your life and it's hard to find yourself. Uh, one thing I would like to ask you is 
Who are some of the key people you are thankful for and, and why? I'm thankful for my parents. Thankful for um, them because they, they've been my rock throughout uh, my life. They're the, the people I can share anything with and I do. I take advantage of that. I share as much as possible. <laughs> my brother. Um, there's no friend. There's no best friend like a brother. So thankful for him. My family extended and um, immediate. My friends who are support systems and they're there to make you smile. They're there to make you laugh. They're there to make you know they're not alone. And it's always quality over quantity. Always. Um, you keep the friends who you can trust and who will be there for you, not just to have the number, but to know that they'll say, because when you slip, it, it's, it's interesting to me, if you slip, how many people will pick up the phone and, and, and call? It, it, the yeah. number goes down and, and I'm always cognizant of that. Um, so the friends, um, my uh, school, I think that the, the academic advisors at school and, and many of my professors have been uh, just helping shape who, who I am. And they've, they've taught me so much. And I, I live by what they say many times in, in class, whether it be even in accounting class. Um, there's something that will transition for me into a, a, a principle that's applicable. So I think then, um, and even even people you meet on the street, I think them too always because sometimes you just need some random stranger's kindness <laughs> to make your day a little better. And so if, if you find that, I I think it's it's fun to just say, wow, you know. Especially in in New York City, like you know, you find yeah. a lot of that. So <laughs> right, right. It's sometimes it's tough to find, but other times it'll just be you know, it, it sets the tone for your day. So I, I'm eternally grateful to to countless people. Um, yeah, and and that's, that's and to speak to that to what you said about quality over quantity. Like there's something that I learned about recently. It's called a Dunbar's number. So basically what the Dunbar number is, it's a study that shows that apparently out of, let's say, 10,000 people you will meet in your life from cradle to grave, right? Like people at school, people you talk to randomly and all that. Apparently there is only 150 people you can maintain stable and meaningful relationship with, like because of like our cognitive abilities and things like that. So like you like you're really saying, you know, like you meet, thousands of people in your life right but then there are only 150 of those who you know you can really like bond with and right. uh, i completely agree with like what you said about quality over quantity now uh one thing i would like to ask you is who are some of the leaders you look up to and why that's a great question ah <laughs> <laughs> I think I look up to, I look up to many, I would say to religious figures. Um, I look up to, I, I appreciate the words of Gandhi a lot. Um, uh, I think that's from, I guess, just different, many times 
I've gotten into this uh, throughout college, uh, meditation and yoga, and just finding his words um, to guide my practice is actually very, very healing. I look up to individuals in the disability community for uh, the changes that they've made and pushed forward. Um, I think those are those are leaders um, in and of themselves. Um, yeah, I, I would say mostly when, I, when I'm looking for inspiration, it would probably be, if it's a, a, a leader who, who's closer to me, it would probably be um, someone I interact with in, in, in work in the workplace or in school. I think I found leaders there. Um, but when I look you know more broadly, I would say um, I look to spiritual figures and um, looking for changes that occur in the disability communities and who's who's fighting for them. Mm. Um, so those are those are typically where I would say I find I find leadership. I find genuine genuine uh, yeah leaders. Like people who are making change in like who are living their life as a service to others, like right. and really right. making a, right. a broad impact on right um, multiple communities. Right. Uh, okay. One last question I have for you is: When you are 80 years old and you know, maybe sitting in Greece, maybe sitting <laughs> here in New York City, <laughs> you know, it's like, and you you look back at the life of Vicky Savides, you know. And like, let's say it was a movie and or book or whatever. What, what would make you say that yes, my life was successful? Like, I'm happy of my life, and I can finally, you know, leave this planet. <laughs> um, yeah. I think, I think knowing that I helped someone, I made a change in. And so in terms of my career, I've made a change for someone, whether it be for, I've made an impact in, as an attorney, I've made an impact in, in, in tax related and in, in disability. All right. So more, I think they life. Personally, that I've extended as much of the time that I can to help others. And that I know that I've made a difference, whether it be because I've seen a change that that's in someone else. Um, when I tutor students, I think tutoring makes me a better teacher. That's what I always say. If I'm trying to understand material, if I can, okay, try to learn it and then show it to someone else, then I learn better. That it helps me. So in that same way, the personal goal, if I can give back to someone else, learn something to give back to someone else, or just give, that helps, it makes me better at it, it makes me a better person. Um, I think, like, growing old, if I know that I've helped, if someone's life is just, many lives are just better than they were, um, if I can donate something to make someone else's life better than it is. Um, absolutely that. I think I'll, I'll be satisfied.
there's no dollar amount in life that uh, will satisfy me the way that helping someone can. Um, only if it's to build a foundation or something for someone else. Uh, I think that's kind of the monetary amount that would, but that. And to see that um, I can have a family too, that reaches the same principles and uh, standards that I, I'm blessed that my family uh, has instilled in me. And they do the same thing, and they do the same thing. And then it's just like a, a legacy of good intentions <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm glad you, you just mentioned that because uh, now uh, I would like to thank you for being on the, the show you know I think your life is you know not to be cliche but your life is a reflection of that is the power of good intentions is someone who continually strives to do better for others and It's funny, like in life, when you give, you receive. Like it's like, and it's an equation that that is true all the time. And your life really shows that cycle over and over again. And thank you for being on the show. If anyone from from the audience wants to reach out to you, what, what is the best way to to contact you? Um, definitely email um, or um, Facebook Messenger. Those are those are pretty good tools. Um, and I would say email is my best one. So it's vickysavitas at gmail.com if anyone has uh, wants to contact me. But I'd, I'd love that. Um, yeah. Sure. Okay. <laughs> uh, I will I will make sure to, to add that to the notes of the show. And uh, yeah, thank you, Vicky. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the show, please feel free to leave a review on iTunes or any other medium you use. You can find more about the show at thepowerofgoodintentions.podbean.com or on Instagram on my page, Billionaires Mind Club. Thank you very much.